everyone. It's our pleasure to welcome you back to Come Together Sex Talks by Lalo. And we have a real treat for you this week as we have a live session with our UK sex therapist at Lalo, Kate Moyle. Hi, Kate. Welcome to the show. Hi, guys. How are you doing? Thanks for joining us, Kate, in these strange circumstances that we find ourselves in at the minute. Yeah, we're virtually connecting rather than in person. It's a unique experience. Isn't it just? Are you in self-isolation as well, hon? Oh, yes. <laughs> Powering through <laughs> with the joy of caffeine to help me along. But, yeah, it's very strange. I think, you know, everyone's finding it very weird. It's pretty unexpected. Definitely, definitely. Well, we weren't going to let Corona get in the way of recording our podcast, which we all know and love by now. So, guys, a little change this week. Breaking away from our regular session of Hot or Not, we're going to chat to Kate about what it's like to be a sex therapist. So I think we've obviously established we could all do with talking a bit more openly about sex, which is really kind of the whole one of the whole points of this podcast. And Kate, something you do day to day, and you kind of work with people to help them get over sexual shame, open up their sexual truths, get better orgasms, all things like that. So could you just let our listeners know a little bit more detail what you do in a typical sex therapy session i mean i guess there's not a typical one is there but if you had to had to sort of describe to an alien what a typical sex therapy session involved (laughs) i love the idea of explaining it to an alien um (laughs) or even just saying to them what do you think sex is is a good start i think you know the the reality of being a, a sex therapist or a psychosexual therapist is you kind of hit the nail on the head live it's there is no normal session there is no straightforward session everyone is coming with their own problems their own experiences their own backgrounds their own difficulties and so it's really about helping people to kind of unpick the difficulties they're having around that now psychosexual therapy is different to more general talking therapy because it is focused on sex and sexual difficulties sexuality it can be anything from someone having erectile dysfunction to someone having experienced sexual trauma someone never having had sex someone feeling anxiety about sex female conditions like vaginismus or sexual pain illness or injury or cancer that's affected their sexuality people who are questioning their sexuality people who want to try a different relationship model or are struggling with relationships there really is no no normal and we work to unpack that in sessions and they might have exercises and things to do at home but a lot of it is about working out what model of sex best fits that person or couple that's really interesting and you just touched on briefly there about sort of helping people unpick their own sort of narratives what do you think one of the most damaging narratives we tell ourselves about sex and desire i think there are so many i think the one of the main problems is we've always just been told that sex is penis and vagina penetration, straight up. Yeah. That's the definition of sex. Now, there's a huge problem with that. It excludes people that don't have that kind of sex because of their sexuality or who they have sex with. It doesn't include people that can't because of illness or injury or people that don't want to or people that it it just doesn't suit or they don't like it, they don't enjoy it. And so it's a really old-fashioned definition of sex and it's very linear And so what then it excludes is anyone who prefers a different type of sex. They don't feel that they fit that idea of normal, inverted commas. And that's massively problematic because sex is about pleasure and fun and enjoying yourself. And really, if you're doing that consensually and it's all legal, there shouldn't be a problem with that. 
So, Kate, you've just touched upon, like, the word normal. I think that can be, like, quite damaging, as you say. So would you say you're asked often by people how much sex is normal? Yeah, it's one of the most kind of common questions I get asked. And I think people want to know that the type of sex that they're having is normal as well. And I think it's just human nature that we like to feel that we kind of fit the normal, we fit the expectations of what everyone else is doing. And the difficulty with sex is that it's really sensitive, it's really intimate. And if we feel we don't fit that, we can't then ask someone or talk about it. We don't just kind of call one of our mates and say, hey, well, I only had sex, you know, once this month. What about you? Is that we don't have that open conversation around sex. I mean, you guys are trying to do it with the podcast. It's, you know, part of your mission. And I think that's really important. And I think that we hope that people are starting to have these conversations more but we just haven't ever been taught that we can talk about sex, that we talk about anything else, like brushing our teeth, for example. A hundred percent. I'm guessing something you see quite a lot of is couples that are in a rut that have stopped having sex. I know it's it's not as simple as a quick advice, but if you had a couple in a rut and they've stopped having sex, what are your go-to sort of tips? So one of the things that I try and work out is what is it that stopped them? Is it that they started having a problem with sex or is it that just actually they kind of grew apart a bit or is it that one of them got nervous about sex or they started struggling functioning is it they've had a big event like they've had a baby so try and understand what's going on and then if sex has become a point of pressure and anxiety the most natural way to deal with that is we avoid it yeah so we pull away from not just sex but kind of touching or physical intimacy anything that might lead to sex we get a bit nervous about and we kind of start to move away from so what I help couples to do is to take steps to gradually reintroduce those physical intimacies physical steps that might lead to sex so one of the things I actually recommend a lot is to take sex completely off the table penetrative sex intercourse just take it away don't focus on it don't put pressure on yourselves to do it because if you take the pressure point away it gives you permission to enjoy all the other stuff that so often leads to sex yeah, when you almost take something away, you you like that's you're not doing that. Then you almost makes you want to do it, doesn't it? Yeah, exactly. Yes, okay. Something I wanted to ask for the female listeners out there that might be struggling with things like stress, depression, menopause. How would you suggest for them to overcome? I mean, excuse the pun, their low libido. What we understand about sex drive or desire in women particularly is that it's context dependent. So that we see if people have loads of other stuff going on in their lives, like, for example, as you mentioned, kind of being stressed. Obviously, menopause has a a hormonal aspect to it, but also a large identity part of it, which impacts kind of how women feel about themselves, which can impact their sexuality. But we understand that kind of situation that they're in and context play a big role in desire. So we want to help them understand what's going on, help them to learn how to switch off to turn on. And a large part of that is also understanding what gives you pleasure and enjoyment and being a bit more creative with that. Definitely. So what would be the best piece of advice for women who can't orgasm? So the best piece of advice I would give um, women that can't orgasm is get to know your body. So self-exploration, self-pleasure, working out if it's a... Is it that physically you haven't kind of ever achieved an orgasm? Is it that you aren't letting yourself go? Is it that there's a kind of psychological block going on? There's a lot about sex education. So I recommend, for example, a lot of the women and men that I work with listen to podcasts about sex to kind of help change their perspectives, to 
read books about sex, to watch TED Talks about sex. But, you know, female orgasm has a duality, physical as well as psychological. And so getting to know your body and understanding what physically works for you, what you enjoy, what kind of touch you enjoy, if lube makes it feel more enjoyable, is it introducing sex toys? Is it that actually you have to kind of have wound yourself down for the evening and had like a nice shower? Whatever it is that makes you feel most comfortable... We tell, talk to people about getting their good conditions, so kind of lining those up. Now, if you are trying to orgasm and you're trying really hard and you feel under pressure because you feel that you want to, you're disappointing your partner, for example, because you can't, um, those are not good conditions because you are under pressure, you're preoccupied with your thoughts, you're thinking, I've got to do this, I've got to do this. That's distracting you from the physical sensations that you're experiencing and it kind of takes you off that arousal peak which is going to take you there so it's a bit of a mixing bowl of things that we try that's so interesting because I find for me personally and I've always said this and loads of my friends say the same and it's it's not the same for most men is I can only have an orgasm during sex if I'm actually concentrating just purely on having sex if I have sex and I'm thinking about something else like I'm still thinking about what happened at work or my that's it won't happen whereas for men it doesn't it's most men anyway it seems to be whatever's going on they can always sort of reach a climax You've basically just given us the definition of mindful sex, which is like a big thing at the moment, because we're all so distracted. We're all on our phones all the time. The boundaries between work and home are completely blurred. We're constantly like on. And actually, if you talk to people about the best sex they've ever had, they're not thinking about anything apart from what they're doing and the physical yeah. kind of enjoyment that they're having. But we do need to kind of understand how we help ourselves to switch off to turn on, how we kind of put a bit of a barrier between what's going on in the rest of our lives and sex. I think without generalising, a lot of women are worse for it than men. Like, I, you know, when you're having... Sometimes I'm having sex without offending my partner. Your mind does just go to, like, random things. Like, are we thinking about the next day? Or, you, you know, you, you have to actually consciously be present, which I think... I mean, that, that goes to all aspects of life. Like, that, I think it's getting harder and harder to be present. And it's actually sad that it's actually affecting people's sex lives as well as every other aspect of their life. It's really interesting. So every week we do Instagram questions and we thought it'd be a great idea to get the questions from the Lalo listeners, Kate, and for you to answer some of them. So, number one, what is the average size of a normal penis? Oh. Well, is there a normal? I'm going to be so boring here and be like, there is no average. I think the reality is there is no normal and it's actually about what you do with it which is the most important thing i'm gonna i'm gonna back up i've had some big penises with utter disappointment so i'm backing that theory like it's so yeah. i'm sorry i'm i I, so I argue my friends all the time I, honestly I, size can be just the most irrelevant thing when it really comes down to it but also what we know is the vagina is the women's kind of like reproductive organ. Although the focus is always on penetrative sex, I think, Bob, this goes to your points about like the biggest myths that cause problems. The clitoris is the female sexual organ. It has 8,000 yeah. nerve endings and you don't need a penis to stimulate the clitoris. So I think yeah. that's where we need to kind of break down some of those myths. So size really doesn't matter for you lads out there. Don't be putting no. pressure on yourselves and comparing yourselves. Question number two from one of our listeners is how do I tell my partner I want to take things slow without sounding like a prude oh that's such a good question I, um, I think that goes back to you know what are your definitions of slow 
One of the biggest things we're going to say as therapists is that communication is key. And we actually have a phrase which is communication is lubrication. Um, oh, I love that. Love that. <laughs> which is, but if you want to, I would sit down with your partner, not when you've just, you know, been in bed or you've just been doing stuff, but sit down with them at a different time and be like, right, this is how I'm feeling. How are you feeling? Let's try to work this out a bit and see it's a bit of a negotiation. But if the two of you feel close and are having a good time together, there shouldn't necessarily be an agenda. I almost think it's a little bit sad that someone has to worry that they sound like a prude because I personally would like to think you could sit down and speak to your partner about anything and put your cards on the table. So never feel like you're being a prude. You've got to do what's right for you. And I think we all go through different phases of our lives where we want different things so certainly don't ever feel like you're approved or anything you've got to do do what's right for you and that's when you're both gonna feel your most confident and comfortable and enjoy everything the most i think though that with i mean i'm sure kate you agree i think that the with the highly sexualized society we live in with what we especially i'm thinking of it as if i put myself back into when i was 15 like things are so have moved on so much the things that we see on instagram sexualized images the kind of porn that people are exposed to i feel like it is you know unless you're doing like really kinky stuff i feel like people are just are, label themselves as prudes because we're all told like through music and this and that that we're all meant to be doing all this like wild stuff and so I think people who are not prudes at all they almost label themselves as a prude because they're like oh well everyone else is you know they're seeing things on porn it's like our, our it's our new normal has become a bit warped I think I couldn't agree with you more it's we the only images of sex that we see are not representative or realistic no. and so that's what we see and we're like well that's not what I'm doing or yeah. I'm not there yet or I don't think that's for me and so we are always comparing ourselves to a non-realistic version of sex yeah 100% another question how much is too much when squirting Kate there isn't too much as in I mean what are we talking about here the amount the I guess it's she's concerned I guess maybe that if She's got a heavy flow, maybe. Well, squirting is one of the things that, although we know that there's a particular area of the vagina that if we stimulate it more, that it's kind of more likely to happen. But it's one of those things that we still don't completely understand the exact science behind it. So it's it's person to person. Some people might do it really regularly. Some people might, it might never happen for them. And so it's all about kind of working out what's going on for you, but also your body works in the way it works. And like a male, I suppose, could it be a different amount with every time or every orgasm? Yeah, 100%. Is it true that all women are capable of squirting or is that not? Is that a myth? That's the thing we don't fully understand because uh. there's no complete research for it. We, we could guess that everyone might have the potential, but some people might never do it. But it's one of those things that there is no concrete answer to currently. So another question here for you, Kate, is from a listener. And it's actually interesting because I've had friends who have sort of complained to me that they've been with guys who are also more interested in anal sex. So her question is, "My, I prefer anal sex over vaginal sex with my partner. Is that normal? This is from a man. I think any sex life is a negotiation between the people in it. The one thing I would say is breaking up routine is really, really good for your sex life. If we get stuck in routines around sex, we kind of tend to desire it less. We get a bit bored. We just get a bit used to it. And that's when um, we kind of struggle to get in the right headspace for sex again. I think 
you know, if that's your normal and you're doing it the right way, so for example, like using lubricant, because we know that the anus doesn't self-lubricate in the way the vagina does. So, and you, it's working for both of you, then it's not a problem, but it's about the, the, the people, the two people that are having sex in that situation. But I think that there's always that kind of more mystery around anal sex or that kind of more like slightly taboo nature of it which made people really excited about it whereas I think actually we're understanding that you can integrate it into your sex life in whatever way you want nowadays absolutely another question from one of our listeners is what are some ways I can please my partner in a lesbian relationship so we know that the female body is particularly sensitive in areas like the nipples so that people can have nipple orgasms but one of the main things I would say is that sensuality is a massive part of sexuality. So things like exploring the body all over. So one thing I say to all couples that would be relevant here is every time you have sex, change one thing. So whether it's lights on, lights off, start with your clothes on, start Ooh. with your clothes off, sex toys or not, lube or not, different location, put your bedding on the floor instead of on the bed, even something like put your pillows on the other end of the bed. And that is a really good way of just keeping your attention from being like, okay, I know how this goes and just kind of wandering off. It kind of changes things. And, but, you know, particularly for like female to female relationships, there are loads of things that you can do, but building up anticipation, which is the most natural aphrodisiac that we have, is going to have a really big impact on how much we enjoy sex. So that idea of teasing, playing, playing with the senses, so shutting one sense down brings the others up is are all really good ways of of creating an enjoyable sex life together. Like you say, just that one little thing at a time would so change the whole dynamics and in your head of automatically thinking that you're going into a routine. So you just actually led us into this question perfectly because you just mentioned one really good tip there. But what would be your top three tips for someone who's asking how to keep sex interesting after plus five years together? So changing one thing. One is thing. A really, yeah. Um, That's such a simple, but even just thinking about it now, it's so easy to slip into that routine, isn't it? Of you always, you know, like you say, do it in with the lights on at the same sort of time of day. Like it's so, it's so easy to slip into that, isn't it? And we all do it because we have so much going on and we have busy lives and it's just we all slip into that routine. And one of the things that I'm saying to lots of people with, you know, being in self-isolation is it's putting a lot of pressure on couples and it's it's giving you the opportunity to mix up your routine a bit or to have sex at a different time of day and so to try yeah. and take advantage of that. My other tips would be, I think lubricant. Lube is like a must for every sex life. It completely can change everything. It can really help people. It adds a different sensation to non-penetrative sex. Explore sex in a different way. So mm. I think like sex education, exploring sex doesn't always have to be in a sexual way. So listening to podcasts about sex, it might make you think about something differently and then you can talk to your partner about it. And those things create quite a lot of change in people's sex lives. I'm loving these, by the way. Thank you so much for being so open and honest with us. How do you mentally prepare before going into a freeway? Oh, oh God, that's a good question. I think if you're a couple, you have to have like your rules and your boundaries set and you guys have to agree to stick to them. What doesn't work is when you're like, right, this is the plan and then you guys go off plan. And we know that actually, you know, people in more kind of polyamorous and multi-partner relationships, they have really good rules and they really, that's when they work and actually they 
their boundaries are firm and fixed. And I think you have to take that as like an important ingredient and put it into that situation. So having like your rules, being like you both get to say no at any point and be like, actually, we're going to stop this. And things like rules, like it only happens when the two of us are together. We're not having any kind of ex- other extra relationship sex apart from yeah. when we're doing this. But done the right way, it can it's it can be a really good thing for relationships. It adds that different element. But having the rules set before you go into it is really important. And if you have a couple that have been together, say, five plus years and they come to you for advice and maybe things have gone a little bit stale in the bedroom for both of them, is it something as a sex therapist that a lot of people would be suggested to maybe try? Is it something that's kind of openly put on the table nowadays or is there still a taboo around, like, threesomes? I don't think there's a taboo around it. I think that, you know, I explore everything that my clients bring to the therapy room. So what I don't say is I would recommend you go and do this. But if they suggest it to me, what we do is we'd be like, okay, well, why don't we talk about it? Why don't we understand what your anxieties are, what the excitements are? Is there a different way you'd like to do it? Have you explored it? What would be a safe way for you guys to explore it? Is Mm. it actually that they're looking to feel a certain way and we can get them that feeling by doing something just the two of them? But ultimately, it's always the choice of the people that are involved and you know, whatever they want to do. Definitely. So I think the key message from what we've learned so far today is there is no normal. Certainly don't be putting pressure on ourselves. And as long as you and your partner are both happy and satisfied with the situation of your relationship, you're both winning. Yes, it is. Would you agree? I would 100% agree. I've literally got my hands in the air. I'm like, yes. Yay. (laughs) So, Kate, another question we have is how do I get out of my head when I'm struggling with performance during sex? This is one of the biggest things that I deal with as a psychosexual therapist. And I think it connects really strongly with what Liv said earlier about that idea of when you've got loads on your mind, it's really difficult to get into sex. And so one of the basic exercises that we talk about, which is a mindful sex exercise, is focusing on the senses. So you talk yourself through what's going on in your body. So what you can feel, smell, touch, taste, hear. And it's a really good way of grounding yourself in the moment and re-diverting your attention. And you can practice that at any point during your day, in the shower, when you're kind of, well, not at the moment, but walking to work, whatever it is, you can literally just use that as an exercise. And what it does is it distracts your brain and your attention. You only have a certain amount of attention available at one time. And so you're re-diverting it kind of back onto the track of physically what you're experiencing. You talk so much, Shane. I'm definitely straight after this podcast following you on social media because I just feel like you are a wise, wise lady. (laughs) (laughs) I'm flattered. This question is very interesting. Is it normal to get aroused by absolutely nothing? Like one of our listeners saying sometimes they become aroused and they're literally grocery shopping. Is that something you hear a lot? So when we talk about arousal, we're talking about the body's physical process of getting ready to be sexual. Now, what we understand is that it's when our brain sees something that we have in some way coded as sexual. So what it might feel like is it's kind of spontaneous and you're just suddenly turned on. We talk about like spontaneous kind of desire, the want to be sexual happening more in men than it does in women. And women's is more... Uh, responsive as the terms that we tend to use but actually what it might have been is that you 
noticed something in the supermarket that reminded you of something sexual or you saw someone that you thought was hot or you were thinking about something or there was a smell that you liked and we kind of as strange as that sounds we do notice kind of things a lot in our environments and it might actually just be that you are someone who has a higher sex drive or is more responsive in those situations. So it could absolutely be just subconscious. And I think a lot of, <laughs> <laughs> I think a lot of sex is quite subconscious, to be honest. Final question we have, Kate, from our listeners is, how do I get him to want to give me oral sex? Oh, that's a good one. Ooh, that is so I don't know one. if that's from a male or a female listener. So I think, again, I'm such a boring therapist, so so therapist-y. It's about talking about it, understanding what it is that might be stopping you guys having an oral sex relationship. Because actually what you might find is that in a previous relationship, it didn't work or there was a negative experience. There might be something getting in the way of it. Um, It's important to kind of uncover that. But also... It's about understanding what each other like and dislike. Is there a way that you can introduce it? Is there a way that you guys can make each other feel more comfortable? So, for example, could you both have a shower before you go to bed if that's what you want to do? And that might kind of take some of the anxieties away. It it sounds like I'm kind of banging the drum here of communication, but it really is because what tends to happen is we internalise or we kind of create our own ideas about what might be going on. So that person might be thinking, oh, it's something about me that they don't like or it's something about my genitals that they don't like. And actually it might be nothing to do with that at all. So what it's important that you do is you don't get stuck in the cycle of these negative thoughts without checking anything out with your partner because then that will have an impact on your sex life and your, your relationship. Oh, guys, I'm so sad. That is it for this week. A big thank you to Kate for your honesty and openness on today's podcast. It's been such a pleasure talking to you and having you here today. Oh, thank you, guys. You're doing such a good job of breaking down the taboo around sex. It's amazing. Thank you so much for listening, guys. We'll be back next week with another brand new spanking podcast. Tune in. So I hope this conversation has definitely inspired more people to open up about self-love and sex and hopefully remove some of the shame attached to it. But before we let you go, Kate, will you let our listeners know where they can find you online and if you've got anything you want to shout about before you go? Yes, so I'm on Instagram at Kate Moyle Therapy, on Twitter at Kate Moyle Psych. My website is just my name, katemoyle.co.uk and I'm also the UK sex expert for Lilo. Amazing stuff. Thank you so much, Thank you so much, guys. We'll see you next week. And if you've missed any of our previous podcasts, check them out. They're all there for download. Bye. Bye. What an episode. If you love this episode as much as we did, please share your thoughts by leaving a review. And if you'd like to receive weekly instalments of Sex and Pleasure, I mean, who doesn't, hit the subscribe button. This episode was brought to you by Lalo. They have the best-selling sex toys in the world for a reason, so we'd really recommend that you check out their vibe by heading to Lalo.com. For all their sex advice and how best to use their toys, make sure you also sign up to their newsletter, which is over in the show notes. Until next time, guys. 